kind of pray before we start. Um, Father, I do pray that you will breathe on your church that's meeting here this morning. Um, I pray that everything that is not of you, Lord God, will just fall to the ground. And I pray that you'll just speak through your word this morning and that you will touch every heart in this place, Lord God, for your name's sake. In Jesus Christ. Um, I hope you're not disappointed that um, I'm not speaking on forgiveness. I didn't realise we had a theme. So. Is that very... Is that okay? Um, yeah. I didn't realise that we were following a theme. Um, and, uh, but uh, I have been looking at... Um, following from the, on from the five loves that we've been doing. Um, obviously, we're, we're now on to the practices of Liberty Church. And um, I've been looking at discipleship during the week. Um, and it's, it was Jesus' last words to his disciples in, in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, when he said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded you. Um, so this was obviously very high on Jesus' agenda. Um, it was the last words that he spoke to them. So it was a very important um, commission. Um, and we know it as the Great Commission. Um, if I'm honest, I was very challenged by this. Um, it probably seems like a basic thing to talk about in church. I mean, everybody kind of, I suppose, if you're a Christian and you're walking with God a while, you know, you, you, you've, I'm sure you've heard plenty of talks on, on discipleship. I was actually very challenged by it, um, looking at maybe what it really means to be a disciple, and as a disciple, how to make disciples of other people. Um, there's a quote here that I have from, it's driving me mad, see what's on top of me. Um, there's a quote here from um, a guy called Dimitri Bonhoeffer, um, he was a, a, he's a famous theologian um, from the 19th century and he was murdered in a concentration camp for defending the Jews, I think, and he died, he was 31 years of age when he died, and um, he died three weeks, I think, before the war was over and uh, under Hitler's reign. And this is what he says about discipleship. He said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. Without discipleship, Christianity doesn't exist because following Jesus activates the Christian faith. Um, again, as I said, I, I, I feel as if in some way maybe I've lost something in that, I've lost the understanding of it. I don't know whether it's, maybe you get stale, you know, when you're kind of like, you're, you're on the road a long time, you can get a bit stale about these things. And it's only when you're, it was only in my reading of it during the week that I was kind of thinking, you know what, this is, a, it's, it's a big deal. You know, the only way really that Christ is going to be known is through us. <laughs> and, and, you know, how much are we reflecting Christ to other people? Um, the Greek word for disciple is, I think this is how you say it anyway, it's Matthias, does that sound right for any Greek scholars among us? Um, and basically what it means is, it means a learner or follower. 
usually someone committed to a significant master. It means to imitate, to mimic, to become like. Um, and I think when, when you look at the full sense of, of what that word means, the goal of Christ is, is more than just convincing people to believe and be baptised. Um, it's to enrol them into a new community of fellow believers where they would live and learn from one another. Um, there's a guy that I've been listening to, uh, I listen to him a lot on YouTube, I've been listening to him for the last couple of months. Um, I think his name is John Bennett, Dr. John Bennett, and he's a, he's a really great um, apologist. And he was talking with a friend, and his friend had, was talking to him about wanting to buy a house on this lake. And he said, you know, this, I'd really love to buy a house on this lake. And his response to him was, is it because you want to reach the community of people that live around the lake? for Christ. And he said, no, I just want to buy a house on the lake. It's a lovely lake. I'd love to live there and, you know, whatever. And his response to him was, why? Why? And he said, like, he asked him a question and he said to him, who are you bringing to heaven with you? Was his question. And I was kind of thinking, like, you know, do you ever just get to a stage where you're kind of thinking, what are we all here for? Like, what are we all, that's it all about. I've been asking kind of that a lot lately. Maybe it's just the COVID thing or whatever, but you know, what is it all about? Um, and looking at scripture, and, 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 and I was reading obviously in, in Colossians, you know, where it says, set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Um, you know, what is it all about? What are we here for? Who are we bringing to heaven with us? You know you really are calling people into, a, into the kingdom of God, which is an eternal kingdom. And it's not all about the here and now, you know. It's, it's, it's much deeper than that. Um, I'm going to quote some of things from, from a paper that I was looking at on, on discipleship. So if you don't mind me looking down at my notes, you know, it, um, it is just to kind of, I can't kind of do it off by heart. Um, this command to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you, is the very core of God's mission to rescue the world. When this becomes the primary focus of the church, all the authority of God is released on it. It's a big statement. You know, you, you can be sure that when you are discipling somebody, when you are, are mentoring somebody, when you are coming alongside somebody, that all the authority of heaven is released upon that. It's almost like God saying you can't fail. You know, you, you just can't fail, you know, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing that. Jesus didn't say to tell them to do everything that I have commanded you. He said, teach them to do everything. And there's a big difference in that, you know. It's not like a pupil-teacher scenario, you know, it's, it is far deeper than that. In Thessalonians um, 1 verses 8, Paul said that I, we, we've grown to love you so much that we didn't come just to share the gospel with you, but to share our very lives as well. And Paul was saying in that, come and see me when I'm working, come and see me at work. It wasn't like Paul didn't go into these places and just do two-day seminars with people. He lived among them. He breathed among them. He, he he's come and see me when I'm vulnerable. Come and see what I'm like, you know, up close and personal. And 
the very, very heart of discipleship is a relational thing. It's up close, it's personal, it's not, it's not done at a distance. Um, so Jesus' calling of the disciples into a relationship with himself began with two words. And he said, follow me. And the next couple of years he spent discipling them. Um, the process of what we call discipleship is to be modelled after Jesus' example um, with his own disciples. Jesus entered into a relationship with his men and he trained them on the job. Over the course of his ministry on earth, the disciples observed him, they questioned him, he shocked them, he scandalised them, he scared them, he explained his teaching to them and then asked them to try it out for themselves. They were connected to him through his belief in them. Through his belief in them. The authority of his call, the power of his life, and the clear focus on his mission to seek and to save. Because he knew them well, he was able to teach them deeply. And you can miss that familiarity and intimacy in scripture. Um, but in the first couple of days, Jesus spent with, with, with his disciples. He knew their hearts their motivations, he even gave them nicknames. Jesus gave his disciples significant chunks of his time. Um, some theologians estimate that he spent 90% of his time with the 12 men. It was a very private life in a way, but how he discipled had a very public impact. Um, one of the necessary elements that made disciples work is accountability. Don't like that word. Um, and I read this quote again, uh, and it says that the great omission in the Great Commission is accountability. In the, in the church, we often talk about accountability more than we practice it, because accountability and the commitment it requires can be unpleasant. In the most important relationships in our lives, we've arguments, you know, um, no good relationship is conflict-free. And this is true with our spouses, close friends. Without some degree of frustration and disagreement, we can't truly know and care about another person. We know that getting close to someone requires the risk of getting hurt and disappointed. But if you want to live a trouble-free life, you will avoid accountability. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said that um, one of the words he detested the most in the English language <laughs> was interference. I thought this was funny. he said, Interference occurs when someone sticks his nose in your business. However, that's precisely what discipleship is all about. If you want to grow in a meaningful way, you not only must tolerate um, another person's intimate knowledge of you, but you must also willingly invite that person into your life. And even more startling, he said, is you'll grow to love and depend on the interference. Now, it's, it's not like... It's not about exposing your, your personal life to somebody that's just nosy. That's not what, you know, that's not what it's about. There has to be a trust in that kind of a relationship for you to, um, to be open and committed to that kind of accountability. But there's something about accountability that causes you to structure your life, I think, in a different way. And um, I don't like it, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I can be quite a closed book. And I don't like opening up myself to anybody. You know, I, I like to work it out in my own head. And, and what it can do in many ways is it can isolate you as a Christian. You know, sometimes it's okay to be 
accountable. And looking back over the course of my life and looking back over when I became a Christian, when there were people mentoring me and discipling me, there was one woman, Olive Balls, and she was like a dog with a bone, you know, like she wouldn't let me away with anything, like she was like, you know, but there was a purpose to it, you know, and and like what I was saying about the disciples saying that, you know, that they connected to Jesus because he, of his belief in them. This was also a woman that believed in me. And, and did maybe, you know, I never heard that kind of language before. I never heard somebody telling me that they believed in me or, you know, and, but it, I wanted to be successful because of that. I wanted to prove her right. Do you know what I mean? And there'd be times where I just wanted to close the door and everything. And I, I actually think that if I hadn't have had that type of person that stuck with me, um, I don't know whether I would have made it as a Christian. I don't know whether I would have just walked away, you know, if I hadn't had somebody that spent that time in, in you know, and even acts of kindness is, is, you know, I remember having to get a dog put down before and I, the house was in deep mourning. It was like the whale mall and everyone in the house was roaring over this dog. I wouldn't cry as much over the person, I don't think, but the dog, we were all roaring over the dog. And even her coming down to the door and, and coming in and sitting with me and helping me, you know, those kind of things, like reflecting Christ to you. You know, that's what discipleship is really all about. You know, it's you're imitating somebody, you're mimicking them. The frightening thing about it is that when you're, t- when you're, when you're saying to somebody, imitate Christ, you're actually asking them to imitate you, which is kind of scary because the question I have to ask myself is how much of Christ am I imitating? Are people seeing the reflection of Christ in my life? Are they seeing it um, in, a, in a real sense? You know, And I think that the real heart of discipleship is you're so... What's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're just so enveloped in, 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 and, and transformed, if you like, by the love of God that you can't help but have an effect on the people around you. Um, that's kind of what it's like. Um, I'm getting back to that, that kind of thing on, on accountability. Um, this is another quote from, from the paper that I was looking at. It said, most of us want to reap the harvest of a discipline while living a life of relative sloth. We want all the benefits of humility and growth without being humble or working to grow. Yet scripture states clearly that we require a great deal of interference to stem the tide of our self-indulgence. This positive interference lies at the very heart of making disciples, a process Jesus described as teaching others to obey everything I have commanded you. I've been going through the book of Acts over the last couple of weeks and noticing Paul and, 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 and you know, when, when he was with Barnabas and, and then when he broke from Barnabas and went with Silas and looking at some of the, the places where they went and, and the amount of time and effort and sacrifice that he made to disciple people. Um, I believe in my heart of hearts that it's the job of the church to equip the saints until they are like Christ. I think that's, that's the whole heart of the thing. It's, it's the, that's the job. I think that that's been entrusted to us as believers. And, um, and I was looking at even simple things that you can miss, um, like say Priscilla and Aquila, when they, were, when they took Apollos back, when they invited him back for dinner, where he, was, he, hadn't, he wasn't fully kind of grasping 
the whole of the gospel. So they brought him back and they taught him how to, to preach more accurately the word of God. And, and he was used immensely, you know, through that and transformed immensely through that. And, you know, so you can see how it, how it works. Uh, Paul and Silas haven't gone around the world to be like, with, 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 uh, trying to disciple people and make disciples when they went out. And when they had finished that, they said, okay, let's go back through all the towns now and see how everyone is doing. Let's go back and see how they're all doing. It wasn't just leaving you out there, you know, and there's, there's a, it's relational, you know, it's this close or personal relationship. It's not done at a distance. Um, Discipleship rarely happens in a group. Now you can say, okay, Jesus had the 12 men, but you can see how, you know, he had the three, Peter, James, and John, and then he had John, and you know, he had the twos and the ones, and um, again, looking back, I can remember, you know, being in a group, and you know, even though Jesus taught the masses, you know, there, there's this up close and personal thing about discipleship. And I can remember kind of wanting to ask questions maybe that you wouldn't be able to ask in a group, you know, when I was just learning the ropes and wanting to understand things. And, and you know, I, I, would, I nearly would be afraid of what my friends would thought, you know, if I, you know, asking questions. So I was trying to get all of on our own. And, you know, so you can see kind of sometimes how it works. Um, this is an interesting concept about discipleship because I think maybe in some ways we might have lost what it means. Discipleship isn't a curriculum. Um, it's not like a pupil-teacher situation. It's not following a 12-step programme. And it's not something that you graduate from. Now, I think, in my, in my understanding, that maybe I had it wrong a little bit in my own mind. Um, and I, I probably thought that, okay, you can go and do you know, a discipleship course and... <laughs> You know, and you could do maybe a two-year course in college and then you were done, you were qualified or whatever. Um, making disciples has nothing to do with winning others over to a philosophy or turning them into nice people who smile a lot. Rather, the Great Commission launches a rescue mission. All followers receive orders with full authority to take action wherever they happen to be. Discipleship involves saving people from themselves and eternal oblivion permitting the transforming power of God to change them from the inside out. All is the Great Commission's key word. All authority, all sacrifice, all out effort, all the time for all people. How can anything else the church thinks of be nearly as important? Um, in a nutshell, said discipleship can be messy. Crooked. Sometimes it can run straight, sometimes it has the zigzags, you know, it, it, it's, uh, as I said, it's, it's a way of life, it's a part of life, it, you, you don't graduate from it, as I said, it's not something that you can learn in a classroom, um, it's something that you learn from linking yourself with a significant master, who is Jesus. Um, you may say that the church is doing a good job. But is it the job that God has called us to do, to fulfill the Great Commission? History is waiting for it, and the God of history is waiting for it. Who am I bringing with me? How much of Jesus am I imitating? Can I say to others, imitate me 
as I imitate him. The most basic issue confronting us is restoring the gospel message of scripture that will create healthy followers of Jesus. For many that will require the redefining of the very nature of faith as a faith that follows, a faith that forms the inner person, a faith consistent with the call of Christ to follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um, the last point is just going back to what Bonhoeffer said. He said, you can't be a Christian without being a disciple. And that that faith as modelled and taught by Jesus requires more than just agreeing to religious truth. To follow Christ daily, uh, the commitment is to follow Christ daily. The Christian faith and following Jesus are irrevocably linked. You can't have one without the other. You know, when, when, even when we're, we're moving into communion here, Jesus didn't die to put bones on the seats in this building. That's not, it was never the goal, never the purpose of it. It's not just for us to come together and agree with each other about, you know, the religious truths about Christ. That was never, the, you know, he called all Christians to be disciples. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for new Christians. It's literally for every person who claims to be a believer in Christ and to believe that has to compel you to follow, which is a very different word, you know, um, we, it's to follow Christ and that requires effort and it's not a gospel by works, you know, but it's not just get everybody in the door and make them safe, you know, and, and, and secure, um, that's, that's not what it's about. These are some of the characteristics of a disciple. Um, just, to, just to cap it off, if you like. Um, a disciple abides in Christ through the word and through prayer. This is in John 15, verse 7. A disciple bears much fruit. That's in verse 8. A disciple responds to God's love with obedience. A disciple possesses joy. Verse 11. A disciple loves as Christ loved. And the personal competencies of, of a disciple are a disciple submits to a teacher who teaches him or her how to follow Jesus. The qualities of the discipleship-based faith taught in scripture are both basic and important to understand how to both be and make disciples. A faith that embraces discipleship is only real when we actively obey it. A faith that embraces discipleship is defined historically by people who took action. A faith that embraces discipleship distinguishes itself, distinguishes itself from mere agreement or intellectual assent with demonstrated proof. Jesus distinguished a faith that embraces discipleship as thoughtful obedience instead of religious words. So, yeah, again, it's like, it just challenged me, um, I have to say, and it challenged me to think about our purpose here on earth and um, what are we living for? Are we, you know, there are times I do feel like, do I, am I just blending in? You know, with everybody else, and um, you know, how much of Christ am I? Am I actually reflecting? And they're just questions to, to you know, to, to thought-provoking, if you like. Um, who am I bringing with me? I certainly don't want to be walking the highway talked about in Isaiah um, towards the Lord and towards heaven without the people that I love around me. You know, that's you know, that's a huge. Um, it would be awful, you know, to think that, you know, 
the only Jesus that they're going to see is me. So, you know, the importance of maybe just rethink those things. Um, he is coming back. Yeah. You know, he's coming back. And, um, and I think that it's our job. He's entrusted this now to us. As he entrusted it to his disciples, he said, now go and make disciples of all nations. And the importance of that. Understanding as you're sitting in the seats there that you're a disciple of Christ if you claim to believe in him and you're saved. You know, what does that mean? What does it conjure up in your own mind? And, and how, you know, who's discipling you even? Who, who's sitting with you? Who's giving you time and effort and, 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 and help? Um, and who are you discipling? 